I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. Hello, my name's Marek Larwood, and we're rejoined by one of the founding hosts, What's her name? Her name is Danielle Ward. Hello, Danielle. Hello. Uh, you're technically a guest, though, I suppose. That's the right guest in my own home. That's right, yeah. Who is the guest here? Because I, I'm, theoretically, I'm a guest. Yes. Uh, yes. In uh, your house. This is like um, a wrestling uh, match where Vince McMahon uh, suddenly comes in and joins in. Because even though he owns wrestling, he still gets punched in the face sometimes. I don't watch wrestling. <laughs> I'm sure no one does. Um, we're going to talk about some films and then leave you be. Um, Danielle's brought in a film she's going to talk about. But mm-hmm. before that, we've been to the cinema. Um I have been to see Guardians of the Galaxy. Me too. You've seen it. Mm-hmm. So, Marek... We went together. We did go together. Let's so I, not I'm going to question you about it from a, a, a listener's perspective. Okay. Go on, then. What's it about? All right. Guardians of the Galaxy, it's the latest in the Marvel Studios films uh, who have brought us such classics as Iron Man and Thor, the Dark World. Um, this one is... Not a superhero film, you'll be what? pleased to hear. Yeah. This one is guys. a space opera, um, the genre pretty much invented by Star Wars. So it is basically, if you can imagine, five Han Solos in a ship uh, flying around trying I to want, save the galaxy. I want to have sex with all of them. Yeah, yeah, every single one. Well, one of them is a tree. So uh, That one first. Then uh, another's a raccoon. Uh, Yes, basically they are a ragtag bunch of uh, misanthropes and rogues who are flung together um, for selfish gain and then they realise that actually um, a whole planet and uh, population could be destroyed if they don't do the right thing and so they uh, become sort of self-proclaimed guardians of the galaxy in order to help out. So I understand the plot completely. Is it funny? It's very funny. It is funny. It is funny. Chris Pratt is the lead in it, who plays Peter Quill, uh, also known as Star-Lord. Uh, they know how lame that name is. They play up to that. Um, he is from Parks and Rec, uh, Parks and Recreations, which and uh, which he's Andy the Dwyer. funniest thing in, but he's, he's Do you brilliant. Watch Parks and Rec? No, I watch films. Okay. Okay. I he don't was also do the... what you do and start polluting your mind with these <laughs> endless American sort of... Sitcoms. Com- comedies. Comedies. Yeah. Um, he uh, he also played the lead Emmett in the Lego movie. Um, so that's the one I haven't seen yet. It's supposed to be good. Someone told me the other day it's the best film they've seen of the year. 
Okay, interesting. It, it, he's very funny. He's instantly likable and very good. Um, then Zoe Saldana from uh, from uh, the Star Trek movies is uh, plays a green woman. She is Uhura. Uhura. Yeah, I can't say Uhura. How Uhura. Do you say it? Uhura? I think. Who is your favourite, Danielle? Out of the people in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Well, oddly enough, probably Bradley Cooper. What? That's a thing I never thought I would say. Is he one of the Guardians? He's, yeah, he's, he's the, the raccoon. raccoon. He's he voices really the raccoon funny and grumpy. So maybe it's just his face that's not funny, and he's actually yeah. funny. I think he does have a slightly... He's like um, an underwear model crossed with a man with a punchable face. Uh, I mean, he's no Jeremy Renner. That's true. Uh, but he no, he's. But they're all great, apart from uh, the girl, who just because she isn't given anything. She's, yeah, it's her not her fault. Bit, her character is, you are green. Her character is, I am really serious, and I have to do this thing to do this stuff, and well, everybody else is being funny. Everyone yeah, else gets sexy, though. <laughs> yeah. Proper green. Um, and then uh, Vin Diesel voices a uh, walking tree who can only say, I am Groot. Uh, but Vin Diesel, I read, recorded that line over a thousand times for them to use in various different ways. Yeah, I bet he was getting paid by the hour. <laughs> That's what they said. You've yeah. got to try and make as much, that's what I would do, how to make as much money as possible. Yeah. Wow. What is the age group? Is it something Interesting. this film? It's, it's clearly marketed it sort of the family market in that everyone can go and see it like Star Wars is, but they do do sort of mild swears in it quite a lot. Like, they say the word dick quite often. The word often. dick in it is quite, yeah. Um, uh, so it's not, you know, it's not tiny kidders. Well, I think anybody who enjoys fun would like it, which I can see why you would hate going to see it, Marek. Was it, was it 15 or 12? It's 12. It's a 12, and... Um, it's it's got lots of sort of comedy cameo, I suppose you'd call them that. But and there's death in it. There's it's death. Like proper, proper bad guys get. In fact, evil hammers. There's yeah. a really evil hammer in it. There's an evil hammer, and also there's someone. I'm not going to. Someone dies. Someone dies. So what is it? Can you watch it for its plot, or is it just an? Is it an out and out comedy? The, no, oh out no, 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 not at all. It's it's tough. Uh, it is hugely enjoyable. It still has the the story problems of any of these big, uh, you know, massively orchestrated superhero films. superhero films where they just they don't know how to drive the story on with character. So characters are either being characterful or they're just being blandly expositional, and it's one or the other. Okay. Uh, but this isn't as bad as some of the other ones. And also, like. it's not like an out-and-out comedy that's silly, like The Life of Brian or something. It, it, it's it's a space romp. It just happens to have... The the characters in it are... They have funny lines of dialogue, but John, they don't do jokes. John C. Riley and Peter Serafinowicz are the uh, sort of... The Empire henchmen, almost. Okay. They're good guys, though, I guess. And uh, Glenn Close is the uh, the leader of them. So it's a funny Star Wars. It's like a with... funny Star Wars, yeah. But not like that. But not like the Family Guy. Or the one. What was the fame with a Darth Vader with a massive head? Was it called? Oh, Spaceballs. Yeah. yeah, it's not a it's not a parody pastiche. In fact, uh, looking it up again, all of the characters who because. Like the Avengers or whatever in the comics, apparently the Guardians of the Galaxy have had many different members who have all rotated and blah, 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 whoever it is. And the ones they've used in this all predate Star Wars. So actually they, these characters were written before 1977 what? when Star Wars came out. Hang on a minute. This is a co- based on a comic strip? Yeah, yeah, it's based on a yeah. comic book. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, yeah. It's another Marvel property that um, coexists in the world with X-Men and the Avengers and all of that. Oh, well, I thought it was just a, um, another way of um, them making loads of money. Well, it is another it way is. of making yeah, yeah. money. I didn't realise it was a pre-existing comic. Yeah. Have you read the comic? No, no. no. I don't read comics, really. Well, you should, because it's, um, it's a fascinating new genre, I think. It's an emerging, new? <laughs> it's emerging now. It's finally emerging from its superhero... I mean, well, I think the non-superhero comics are actually the most interesting, so they're... <laughs> <laughs> just the comics about a bloke doing his washing not like that but like the famous one is like Mouse you must have read yeah, Mouse yeah but it's over there and there's one I read by it's called uh, Encyclopedia of the World I think I talked about it before, called Isabel Greenberg it's really really good it's like sort of myths and fables but it really nicely illustrated and what else did I read we read one called Mad Man which is a great comic book but read, anyway I've read a couple um, but I'm not I found it don't pull your pants down. But incidentally, um, you have to talk explain about, that um, comment. You have to explain that. You <laughs> that can't just say don't pull your pants down and then carry on. That was directed at Buddy the dog. Do you want to explain what's happened? Buddy has recently had uh, an operation. Uh, nothing serious. He's it's been the, the operation dogs have. Um, and so he's currently wearing a pair of boxer shorts to stop oh, they're himself. Falling down. They're falling down. His, stop um, himself itching his, uh, itching his stitches. So you've basically. Uh, Pinned a pair of boxer shorts. Hey, they're perfectly suited. It's got a hole in the front. His tail could go through. It's perfect. It's like they were designed for the task. Hello. They do quite suit him. They do, don't they? Could start selling dog pants. I've said this morning that I think that is a new market. I might go on Dragon's Den because they hate the cone. But you could make some pants for a dog to wear post-operation. I think that's a really good idea. Because vets all still give them the cone yeah. and they're miserable they with the cone. cone. Well, I had a great day, which was um, huge near the cone. It was a massive cone. Yeah. And he couldn't barely get through it. Yeah, they don't know what to do, do they? Oh, no, they, they smash anything that's on a coffee table or surface if they've but got the cone. But you make them a pair of dog pants. Oh, <laughs> oh well, that's knocked a, over the recording device. That was a dog device. pants. Oh, they're falling down now over his feet. Oh, oh, come here, bud. Do you know what? His willy's come out. I'm sorry to cut there because uh, Buddy's um, ball protecting pants fell down, and they're now they're back on. And that that would have breached our certificate on this podcast. So uh, yes, but Guardians of the Galaxy, Merrick, are you? Because int- I know you have no interest in the superhero genre anymore, and in some ways, fair enough. Are you interested in the space excitement genre? I mean, Star Wars is obviously the the one that's eclipsed all others in this, but the new Star Trek movies sort of have ent- entered into the same territory and. So probably the latter-day Aliens movies, actually. You know, Alien Resurrection was far more a uh, ragtag bunch of uh, pirates in space, you know. I'm not... I th- I think it's just me being... I know when people write in, sort of suggest I'm all I like is watching just French art films and all that stuff. I'm not particularly interested because I think they just dom- dominate um, cinema, these films. I mean, you've got... I've got I, if I go and see these films, then I miss out on all the weird um, foreign dramas and stuff that I'd like to go and see. You know, not really that many that sort of break through anymore. But it's quite uh, nice seeing something, you know, dramatic and hyper-real in uh, something as big as IMAX, which is where we saw it. Um, whereas I don't think I'd want to see, you know, Audrey Tattoo's face in IMAX. I don't think it would add anything. Yeah. I just want to see something that hasn't been done before. I think we're going to talk about... Ghostbusters later that was a really exciting mm. new way of having sort of friends a new idea it just seems that the whole everything's been slightly rehashed like a version of Star Wars superior thing there's not 
I can't remember a really good new The idea. Matrix is the first yeah, the is Matrix the last one I think that really everyone copied since and changed a visual story you know it changed how you the visuals they do for movies but all the ideas um, seem the same right in the 80s I think I was watching we had like Back to the Future really interesting ideas like Ghostbusters things like even the horrors of like Gremlins had a really yeah. nice idea about it Terminator was a nice twist yeah, Alien yeah. well all of them the 80s really were fantastic I was looking at a list of films that came out in 82 the other day and it was huge numbers of great ones The Thing came out then Rocky I think was yeah. there not that Rocky's a you know a high concept movie, but you know. And the thing was a remake. Uh, it was a remake, but it, boy, what a remake! <laughs> These things are all taking stuff from like fifties B movies, though. And yeah, just that's kind true. Of I mean, if you that. look at Indiana Jones, that was rehashing TV shows and adventure comics from the fifties and forties. Tell you why you wouldn't like Guardians of the Galaxy, and this is the problem I had with it. I was really enjoying it. It was a fun old space romp. Everybody's funny. There's no Mark Hamill. Type character. Let's not let's not be unfair. There's no Luke Skywalker type character. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not Mark Hamill stinking up those movies. He he's actually uh, I prefer to think of Mark Hamill as uh, the definitive Joker because uh, he's actually made a career of being the Joker in video games and cartoons since. And yeah, his Joker yeah. is I fantastic. Because of his scar. Oh, because he's so funny. Because of his <laughs> facial scarring. No. Oh. <laughs> well, this is going down a really dark path. Anyway, um, no sc- anyway, no I, I, I enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's really mawkish in a few points. It's mm. proper okay. pulling on the heartstrings. I don't want that. I just want a romp. I don't want to be made to cry by some strings and someone oh my, my poor family sounds like Derek it's not <laughs> it's not exactly like Derek I mean there's no I haven't watched all of Derek but I don't think there's a sort of awesome alien tree in it yeah um, it does make a robot dog does he? yeah no yeah because the real dog dies oh my god <gasps> in Derek not in Guardians of the Galaxy oh okay <laughs> there's a good space Spoiled dog for Derek uh, cameo but, you know. Oh, and the weirdest, I don't think this is a spoiler because it's not plot at all, but the weirdest post-credits sequence I have ever seen in any of these. You know, it's now a staple of Marvel films that if you stay to the end of the credits... Away. That's really? a nice surprise. Is it a just, nice just surprise? Just help just stay to the end. Yeah, stay till the end. I mean, it's weird, though. It's it, not... is, it is so strange that they've decided to do no, this. Because normally they set, up, they set up what's coming in the future, yes. don't they? they it, I was expecting it to be... Uh, Angry Nick and um, Jimmy Bobo Jimmy Bobo and Angry Nick uh, kissing by a fire or something Um, but no no really odd anyway okay I won't spoil it I won't spoil it but really really odd it made me go straight to Google to go what Um, they are trying to hypnotise you or something uh, That'd be quite a good way of doing it. I didn't I'd, think it was that funny. Oh, okay. No, I, I should have. I, I would just have gone for a wee at least two minutes earlier. Also, leave at the soon as credits finish. Leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a nice little bit. Anyway, it's it's fun. It's really fun. How many Davids and Daniels? That's tricky because I'm I am a story Nazi and it's Hang on a story <laughs> not a real one and I don't and it it didn't do that well with that stuff. It was a bit meandery set PC, but. The dialogue was really funny and... Chris Pratt's brilliant. He's brilliant. And actually, I thought Dave Bautista, who's um, the the wrestler in it, who plays Drax the Destroyer, was really funny. And all the characters were great, apart from the ladies who were given nothing to do. Karen Gillan's in it as a baddie who's painted blue and her character is, you're painted blue. Um, Also, though, she does this a lot. 
which what, I hate. You have to describe that. Faithfully yeah. describe the expression. Right, right. so yeah. if you're a lady actress and you are asked to portray slightly weird evil, you do the slight head tilt and you sort of move your neck forward, a bit like the girl in the ring. You Kate Bush, basically, don't you? Yeah, you... Uh, and, and then if you want to be really evil, you raise your arms from the shoulders first. Um, oh, OK. Kate Bushing. It's not very... I mean, she doesn't have a character, because the, the villain is really po-faced and not funny at all, and she also is po-faced and not funny. I worked out who the villain is. Who is it? He is the lead in uh, The Fall, that incredibly beautiful but ultimately <gasps> boring film. With, is he? Oh, yeah. oh, I like that. But it's nice now they're getting work somewhere. So yeah. what marks are you going to give it? Hmm... What do you think, Danielle? As an experience, as a big, enjoyable romp um, at the IMAX, which I love, uh, I'd give it four Danielles. Why not? Out of ten? ten. Oh, I You've forgotten the system. I've forgotten the system. Well, in that case, I would give it eight and a half. Oh. I think I'd give it eight. I say it's worth going to see. I think I've heard a lot of good things about it online, so... Um... It's better than Avengers Assemble. Yeah, it is. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. My praise indeed. There's there's attempts at humour that fail in Avengers Assemble, and these are just these are just funny characters. Yeah, it's just as funny. You know, they they really try and make Captain America funny, and he's he's not, is he? Poor man. It's not like Captain America. (laughs) Dull. Dull as shit. Okay. Um, we're gonna play our casting game now. Woo! Oh God. I need to think of people. What, um, what is it we're casting, David? Well, there have been rumours abound for about the last ten years, but they've certainly uh, been hotting up recently that there is indeed going to be a Ghostbusters 3. But the latest uh, rumours suggest that they are actually going to be bringing in a brand new Ghostbusters team with only sort of mentor roles played by Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, if he ever does do it. Obviously, Harold Ramis is now dead. Um so we are going to cast an all-female Ghostbusters reboot. Reboot, well, not reboot, but next one, next generation Ghostbusters, the next generation. So we're going to have the same. We'll just say like, who's going to play Bill Murray character? No, right? no, no. That's not what we're doing. We're doing. So who, who's going to play the grumpy one? Who's going to play the? We're going to do three each, and Danielle, as our guest, is who's going to play pick the black one? her favourite three. Out that's of the fourth one. I've not done the black one. Uh, what? I don't think that's an issue anymore. I don't think you can say that. Really? Yeah. You've got to say the guy's been... Um, um, is he in prison or something? Ernie Hudson? Yeah. No, he hasn't. You're thinking of a different black gentleman. <laughs> OK. <laughs> now, in the film, he's in prison, isn't he? They're all in prison. They're all in prison, and that's Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> OK. Well, there we go. I'm racist. Uh... <laughs> wow. Wow. OK, so... Isn't there a disabled one? Or is that the real Ghostbusters cartoon? That's Rick Moranis, and he's not disabled. (laughs) Isn't there a transsexual? That's the Gorny Weaver. (laughs) She's just androgynous. Okay, let me uh, consult my um, uh, list. So, Danielle, how are you going to ask for these? Just uh, say how Ramis, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. No, that's not what we're doing. What I would like is I would like three lady Ghostbusters that fulfil different character types. Great. Okay. So my Bill Murray sort of character... <laughs> no. <laughs> that's fine. I'm going to do it this way. It. I'm going to do it this way. Okay. In my favourite comedy actress, I think she'll bring a different thing to Oh, it. I think she... I've picked the same person. It's Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, I've picked her as well. What, is Bill Murray? 
No, just as, as being grump- in it. As the grumpy misanthrope always on the pull. Uh, no, I think Melissa McCarthy, uh, McCartney is... She's a cross is, uh, between uh, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. Yeah, I think she's a Dan Aykroyd, oh, actually. Think... Okay. I think... But this is why Marek's system is not what we're doing. Okay. You know, we're just picking three funny uh, So we both actresses. pick the same one, then? Yes. But I am... Um, yeah, well, she's on my list. Who else have you got, Marek? Or does it go to David now? It goes to me now, All I right, think. Well, you've got Melissa McCarthy. Um, Marek said it first, so I'll have to pick someone else. Oh, how about really? that? Is that how it works? Well, otherwise, you know, we're just going to get a tie, and that would be intolerable. Um, I'm going to go for... Okay, we need someone rather, someone rather different to Melissa McCarthy. I think someone who is excellently funny and should get more film. Hang on a minute. I'm just even working. You're picking three and I'm picking three, and they're going to pick the best. Who's going to pick the best three? I'll pick the best and three. And it's almost like a picking at football where you get to pick first and you get to pick your one, so I can't pick the same one as you, right? Yeah. That's how well, you always do the casting game, isn't that's it? That's what we've just done. Yeah. No, but you can't pick Melissa McCarthy. I've then. just said that. <laughs> So who's your one then? Because you don't have to go. Yours well, I was in you. the middle of saying that, Mary. If you'd listen, <laughs> I wanted to explain the rules. <laughs> Things have got very tense. This is the first time you've ever played this game. No, it's changed a bit, and and I think the listeners, the seven listeners, would agree with me. So this is <laughs> this has been slightly sort of warped into something else. Not really. You've, you've been told the rules from the beginning. I've told you a week ago. And, Come on, uh, the rules are pick three ladies. I mean, <laughs> yeah, how hard it. is no, that? No, but we can't pick the same ones, and we're picking one each at a time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, who's your, who's your first one? I am going to go for someone who, when she's been in films, has been fantastic and should be in more, Amy Poehler. Oh, okay, yeah. She's good. She's not very good in uh, that one with the baby. The, the Every comedian does What's a rubbish one? film. That's Meryl Streep, isn't it? The no. Ghost on My Baby. <laughs> Actually, it's not Amy Poehler's one. She's not very good. The one where um, Tina Fey tries to have a baby with Amy oh, Poehler. Oh, but Tina Fey's brilliant and she's been, done a load of duff films. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say due date. That's not what it's called. Okay, so you've got Amy um, Poehler. I'm going to go... I love Amy Poehler. ...for uh, someone who was in one of my favourite indie films last year, which is called Safety Not Guaranteed. She played like a good Egon character. She's quite sarcastic. Aubrey Plaza. Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. Plaza. She's in Parks and Rec as well. She plays Chris Pratt's wife. Parks and Rec, sorry for swearing. Amy Poehler's in... uh, We're just casting Parks and Rec. Apparently, yeah. Who have you got next? Uh, Well, obviously... Rashida Jones. I've got Rashida Jones. No. Um, She she made my shortlist. Really? But uh, I'm going to go for... We need a different type. We've got some kind of, um, you know, uh, cuddly and friendly people now. I think we need a bit more of a mentor figure, someone with a bit more edge, but who is still funny, so can do all of that, Rob's. Diana Rigg. Diana Rigg, the 90-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> Diana Rigg's 90 years old, mate. That would be funny. Oh, she's practically a ghost herself. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some plot for you already. It's writing itself, guys. I'm feeling it. Diana Rigg's not funny. She is. I think she's very what funny. What the hell's going on? <laughs> she's 90 years old, mate. She's brilliant. She can do no wrong. Um, well, I've, well, I'm pleased because I'm going to win. Uh, for my Dan Aykroyd sort of character... Uh, Christian Shaw. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm gonna pick. Oh, this is tricky from the people left on my list. She's um, with Avalon. You'd have to send the contract to Avalon. Oh, Won't be worth it. Oh God. Um. This is tough. This is tough. The tension is mounting. 
everyone listening at the gym <laughs> or going for a walk or just who having a wee. Who um, I wish I'd cast it. Mine would have been better. Who would you? Who would you have picked? Uh, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Sandra Bullock. That just cast the heat then. Yeah. <laughs> and who else? Oh. <laughs> That's it. Just the heat. The heat with proton Sandra pack. Sandra Bullock just holds a mirror. Yeah. Uh, okay, then I'm going to pick Sandra Bullock. What? No. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't She'd do that. She'd be great though. She's very you can't funny. Do that. She is very funny. I mean, She's half your Ghostbusters funny. are practically dead now. Well, so this is I'm feeling the need today. No, is... I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick someone who's a bit younger to mix it up then, yeah. so I can get Diana Rigg on that, you know, yeah. on that roster. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, Emma Stone. No, oh, boring. You don't like Emma Stone? Yeah, we really do. So your <laughs> picks are Emma Stone, Diana Rigg, and someone Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler versus Melissa McCarthy, Aubrey Plaza, and Christian Shaw. Yeah, I've won. Uh, well, no. That... Do I get to pick my three favourites? Well, yes. It's Melissa McCarthy, Amy Poehler, and Audrey Plaza. So I have one. He has one. Plaza. Plaza. Plitzer. Plitzer. <laughs> Audrey Plitzer. I was going to pick Sigourney Weaver, and then thought we both would have done that, so didn't. Just as you know, she oh, can head up the new oh, team. See. You yeah, see, yeah, have yeah. the experience. Yeah, it. I forgot she was in it. And do you really think Diana Rigg is going to be running round with a vacuum no, cleaner it's a on different, her back? It's a different dynamic, isn't I'm it? She's at home. She is now. She's at home with the big monitor. Oh, going, is she going to be like the Simon the Pegg figure? No, she, Simon Pegg figure. <laughs> How is he the archetypical mentor? He's he plays an engineer. Not in mentor, Star Trek. computer guy. No, um, no, she was from Mission Impossible. She was going to be the Professor X figure. You know, she's seventy-six years old. I reckon she's lied about her age as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've nothing against her age. I just don't think she's funny. I do. I think she's brilliant. Based on Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, and you know the Avengers, as in original in Avengers. Oh, oh, she's not funny in that. I like I don't her. Think she's funny in that. I do. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't know how this is going to sound always. <laughs> I'd, I'd have Katie Wicks in it, but, you know. Yeah, but... I um, can't cast people who haven't actually been in films. She'd been in films. Has she been in films? Yeah. Good. What films? She was in Magicians, which I was in as well. Oh, that doesn't count. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica oh. Hines, she would have been good. Oh, she, Jess is good, yes. OK, well, it's oh, all too well. late. I think this game's spinning out of control <laughs> into some sort of hell pit. So who won then? Marek won. What were your choices? Or You picked the cast of Parks and Rec. And Melissa McCarthy. Who's, I'm sure, probably guested on Parks and Rec at some point. I don't know. Um, if you would like to email in to tell us what you think of our selections or ask us questions about film, you can do so, right? Yes. Dearfilmfandango at gmail.com or go to Facebook and write on our wall... Uh, forward slash film fandango, or you can tweet us at Mr. David Reed, at Marek Larwood, at Captain Ward if you want to talk to don't, Danielle. Don't. Um, or at now. film fandango. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and we do all of this uh, nonsense for free. Uh, uh, so if you'd like to contribute to our running costs so we can keep doing it every week, then please do so. Go to filmfandango.co.uk and follow the links from there. And everyone who has done, thank you. I can't believe I left before the money started coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah millions of pounds. Leagues. <laughs> um, you've made us watch a film this week. Yes, I have. What the did you The film is the 
classic, cult classic Ross Meyer film, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which I love. And I saw it for the first, I think I must have been about 13. I saw it on, it was one of those films that late night Channel 4 used to show. And um, I only saw, I was turning on and I only saw the last 20 minutes of it and was like, what the fuck is going on here? Because that's what happens in the last 20 minutes. And so, uh, and having been in some 60s influenced bands, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls was always our, like, our go-to weird 60s thing to watch. And it is about, it basically it was meant to be a sequel to Valley of the Dolls, which I love. Uh, the book is brilliant. The film is fine. Um, which is about some th- three girls. It's a bit like Sex in the City. They go around knobbing off people. Knobbing <laughs> off? That's a good expression for it. Um they go, and they I take a lot of drugs. The dolls yeah. are drugs, and there's uppers and downers and all this sort of stuff. And it's about it's about a decadent lifestyle in LA. Oh, the dolls are drugs. Yeah, I thought the dolls were the ladies no. who were dressed up and treated like objects. No, dolls are the drugs. They're oh. the uppers and the downers and the bits in between us. Oh, um, so so what is this film about then? This film is about a girl band who uh, are lovely and naive, and they go on the road. To, and then they realise that one of them has got an auntie who lives in LA and she's got loads of money so they go and visit her and they play a gig at this house and there's a Svengali producer there called Z-Man and he is loosely based on Phil Spector rather uh, prophetically yeah. um, and, prophetically and he uh, makes them into like a really big band and they're really cool cats and they're really famous and it's about how being famous ruins your life really because it makes you be horrible to people and then they j- jump off it's beams. about dis- the descent moral descent moral in descent LA isn't in it in the face of fame but that is more coherent an explanation <laughs> than the film itself isn't it man yeah <laughs> well it's... I love the film it's like it's a proper 60s weird psych film it's it... got the uh, strawberry alarm clock the band that are playing in the background of the party at the strawberry alarm clock who are a proper real band so you should talk what should we talk about the language first of all do you want to talk about <laughs> sure it's written by is it Roger Ebert yeah the famous critic the famous which is... and this is is it the only thing he's written actually that's a, that's a thing to look up mm. but it's um, the dialogue is highly stylized and at times is laughably ridiculous it is ridiculous it's like all kind of cat and groovy and stuff because Valley of the Dolls was done properly, like a proper melodrama, and but it's the same sort of language, and it's all it's all and everybody's having a traumatic time, and their hair looks amazing, and beyond the Valley of the Dolls, when um, when the writer is it Jacqueline Suzanne who wrote Valley of the Dolls, she didn't want to be associated with the screenplay of this. She didn't think it was a very good film. And so they ended up making it more stupid. And they added a disclaimer on all the posters and trailers and at the beginning of the film saying, this is not a sequel to The Valley of the Dolls. Um, He wrote one other movie called Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens. Oh, wow. I mean, it's a bit like Scooby-Doo, but with people getting their tits out. Yes. But but it's it's a satire, and so it's the same way. You know when some people see Starship Troopers and they go, it's really stupid and the dialogue's awful, and that's what it is. This is like, I, I, I can imagine this film was a huge influence on Verhoeven, because it's got boobies in it, done for pleasure, mm. uh, but also it's a hugely satirical swipe at those sorts of m- melodramatic, stupid films that came before it. But so, oh, is it... My concern watching it is a weird, weird film. It's so all over the place, and then yeah. 
the it's things... directed by Ross Meyer. We should probably say as well, who was a pornographer before this movie. This was the first sort of studio-funded movie he directed. Things happen in the, in one scene, like a whole film's worth of story yeah. will happen in the course of two minutes. Like, dizzyingly fast, isn't it? Like, oh, on. there's your um, f- former fiance. He's got a new fiance now. Oh, he's coming over. Actually, I still love you. Will you marry me? Yeah. But that's satire. I think that is intended is to be in- comically. Is it all intentional? That's what my yes. one can. They um when they read the script, they thought it was really silly and funny. All the actors were like, "So, how? Uh, what should we do?" And they didn't want to ask Ross Meyer because he was considered quite a big director. And um, Roger Ebert said, "Play it straight. Just don't don't take the piss. It's you've got to play it straight." And so he got them to perform a very very stupid script entirely straight. But the intention was always to cut it as a comedy. And it's very it's it's very apparent when you watch it that this influenced uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, which came uh, three years later, I think. Um, and I've read some trivia on IMDb, and they the cast of Rocky Horror were actually shown this film and told this is the acting style we're going for. Was Barbarella a bit like this before this or not? Yeah, but I think Barbarella is played straight. But it's that sort of the, the, this is satirizing all of those sort of sexy. Hey, we're all having a great time, but oh, it's 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 the melodrama. It's that it's that daytime soap version. Do you think it's it's parody then? So it's the hot shots of its day. I think it is. Did you find it funny? I think bits of it are funny. The ending is incredible, and uh, I know of one place that is sort of homage or stolen depending on your generosity uh, the rev- the twist the reveal at the end the whole um, I, 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 I texted David halfway through watching the film um, I think I wrote something sort of really uh, profound like this is fucking shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was it I think and that's... you said just what you just watch the last 15, the last 15 minutes is incredible yeah at least you feel like you've watched something different, I suppose. Also, the, I didn't enjoy that. The last 15 <laughs> minutes was Attack On. That isn't how the original script ended. Okay. And they, it was inspired by the, the Manson family killings. Uh, oh, of course, yes. Sharon Tate was in the original Valley of the Dolls. Oh, right. So okay. by the time they may be on the Valley of the Dolls, she was already dead. Wow, it's a bit close, isn't it, to do that? It is. Um, just so you know, uh, beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens, uh, the... It seems like the follow-up to Beyond the Valley of the Dolls because it was written by Roger Ebert and Russ Meyer and directed by Russ Meyer, so they tried to do the same thing again to less success. I see. I really love it. It reminds me a bit of Tommy. It's that sort of you just got to sit back and let it wash over you. Don't try and get the plot. Don't. Like, there's so many ridiculous set pieces that it's the sort of thing that everybody creative should watch because there's loads of stuff you can nick. It does feel like it's something that will it'll always be in history because it just sums up that time. Yeah. And that exper- that really experimental time. In fact, you could do this and get this money put into this film, and and it even though not even though it's not intentional, some of it it's it's so stuck at that time period. Yeah. I, I mean, there's bits that bits that I absolutely love, like the um, the suicide attempt is brilliant. That's just yeah, it's a wonderful piece of cinema. That. Um, it's influenced, you know, the aesthetic of Austin Powers and stuff as well. I know yeah. it's not just the era that influenced that. There are party scenes where you go, they've just watched this and sort of tried to recreate yeah. it. Yeah, and like and, you know, if you've seen things like The Trip as well, like it, that kind of sixty psych film, they they're all like this. They're all really weird and. Mm. But this one's great because it's because it's satirical, but also the end is 
I just like I love the first time I saw this film all the way through. I was like, this is incredible. Like the ending's brilliant. They show the start of the end at the start, at the yeah, start yeah. of the film. Then you just think, what? What's going? If they on? did, if they hadn't done that though, you wouldn't believe it knew where it was going at all because there's a lot of meandering around That's a in the middle. Just do a ten-minute film, put the end bit of section at the start, so people look like you're tied together. And the rest of it can be just be bullshit. Yeah, but I, that, that happens a lot. But I do really like Valley of the Dolls. I mean, I guess like as someone who loves the book, and because there's many adaptations of Valley of the Dolls as well. I, that's why I find it really enjoyable because it's such a a weird place to take the original story. So, but I guess if you're not into Valley, like Valley of the Dolls is a book I read when I'm really sad. It's it's just it's great. It's like Jackie Collins. It's just a okay. basically it's one of those things that if you're feeling really sad about yourself or your career, read Valley of the Dolls. Everybody's having a much worse time. It reminds me this film of uh, Showgirls. Yes, in, it is. Uh, I love Showgirls. In Verhoeven. Uh, Again, bringing him up again, but in a, it's a you know naive girl with dreams coming to a a town that's uh, that's more powerful than her, and it will just bring her down into this mire. I think it's like a Los Angeles version of um, Train Spotting. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> no. No. Okay. Um, That'd be a good double billing though to watch two drugs films. Do you, you reckon this is a drugs and- film? A little bit. There's drugs in it. It's a hedonism film, isn't it? Oh, maybe, it's, yeah. Maybe this with um, Spring Breakers or something. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it was interesting, but I did still hate it. Well, now you've seen it. So when uh, Will Ferrell is in the... Yes, they're doing the, the film about the making of it. Yeah. So you see? What's that? It's good you've seen it. The, um, Will Ferrell's going to be playing Ross Meyer in the, in the making of... In a film about the making of is, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Is John C. Riley being uh, Roger Ebert? I hope so. He must be. He's always in these sort of uh, yeah. 60s, 70s films. I think my favourite um, Will Ferrell film is uh, Step Brothers. I think it's yeah, it's underrated, funny. but it's brilliant. Can I tell you what films that I didn't see? If I'd known you were going to borrow the DVD, I'd have picked something else. <laughs> what would you have picked? Bad timing. I've been wanting to do bad timing for ages. It's a Nicholas Rogue film. It's got stars Art Garfunkel and Teresa Russell and Denim, Denim Elliott. I love Denim and Elliott. And it's so brilliant. And if you, especially if you've seen Performance and The Man Who Fell to Earth, which are also Nick Rogue films starring pop stars, the performance he gets out of Art Garfunkel is incredible. It's really sad. It's about the. It's just about a mutually destructive relationship. It's an incredible film. It's really hard to get hold of. Like I got that from like some weird um, video shop down in Brighton that then closed. You want sex film? <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> I love it so much. If I know you're gonna bloody borrow it, I'd pick that instead rather than Beyond the Valley of the Dead, which I do love. But you know, probably because last time I borrowed a film, I kept it for six months. Yeah, and you back. didn't even watch it, did you? I watched half it, then I got it. It's a long film. Yeah. <laughs> but the ending's beautiful. <sighs> you can't always wait till the end, Danielle. <laughs> well, well, I think that's it for this week. Thanks for coming along. Is there anything you want to plug? How many people do you reckon you'll go out to? This? 15 million. Million squillions. Million squillions. Um. Your podcast. When are you them. doing? When are you? When are you putting this out? Is this today? this week? Today. I'm at the fringe. Oh, please come along. <sighs> so I'm doing a show at the fringe. It's it's fun. It's not got a story or a structure. No one fucking dies in it. I don't show a picture of my nan at the end under some breakbeats. 
it's just me. I've written some songs on Garage Band and I've written a story and then I'm just add some other things as well. And it's called Danny Frankenstein Shut Up and Dance. It's on at midday, so nothing else is on then, and it's free, and it's only forty minutes long. Don't come if you're a fucking reviewer. It's not for you. It's for real people, and it's really fun. Oh, God, I hate the French. <laughs> There you go, go yeah, and see Danny yeah. at the Edinburgh Festival. Danny Frankenstein, <laughs> shut up and dance. 10th to the 16th of August at midday at the Voodoo Rooms. There we go. Uh, right, well, we'll be back next week with more films. Hey, everyone. Keep, Keep watching, watching the films. films. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.